The Selfish Path to Romance. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com. Melody, you're having some difficulty uh, with your husband? Uh, yes. Uh, not difficulty with him, but okay. uh, he was he was just diagnosed uh, with Alzheimer's. Okay. And this has come as a tremendous shock because, um, because he doesn't have any of the, what I would think would precede it, um, but he's a very healthy, he's 72 years old. Okay. He's a very healthy man. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't have heart problems. He doesn't have, he's, he really doesn't have any health problems, period. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, anyway, uh, he was diagnosed with this, and so when the doctor told us, um, uh, he was very blunt. Yeah. Uh, as I guess doctors perhaps have to be. <sighs> no bedside manner. Yeah, right. He just said, you have Alzheimer's, I will write a prescription. And um, so I said, well, will you help us strategize what to do? And he said, yes. He said, I will provide the strategy. So that was the end of that session. Um, But I did ask for a second opinion because he is a family practitioner. Yeah, I was going to recommend that. Yeah. Family practitioner. And uh, he said, well... I said, I would like for a neurologist to read the MRI, and yeah. he said, well, it won't make any difference in the picture. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, but I think it won't change the film, right. but perhaps a new set of eyes, right. uh, a different mindset, a different training, a specialist would see it perhaps a little differently. Are mm-hmm. you sure on this diagnosis? And um, he pretty much just uh, handed the prescription to us and dismissed it. Okay, so... So so I felt, uh, I'm just venting, I guess, but I want him to have a second opinion. Oh, there's no question about that. If you get a serious diagnosis like that, any legitimate doctor shouldn't resent that. If anything, they would say, oh, you know, I'd love to get another set of eyes looking at this. Now, I'm not saying he's not a legitimate doctor, but I am saying that his bedside manner could use some warming up a bit, maybe some nice hot chocolate or some, uh, I don't know, apple cider he could use. Uh, (laughs) Or stronger. (laughs) Yeah, but just be happy you're not married to him. Yes, yes. So, and I am concerned, and the thing is, uh, and I try, I have disciplined myself to stay offline and not research it too much because uh, that tends to be my mode of operation, but um, I didn't want to scare myself too much, but the the line you hear is fatal and, um, um, you know, no hope, fatal, Right. you know, and I feel like I do not want to put myself in a state of denial. I want to be as open to the diagnosis right. as I can be. Right. At the same time, it is terrifying. Right, and and that's exactly right. You're, it's going to take, let's say that you get the second opinion and the second doctor confirms that it is Alzheimer's, but your husband's right. still healthy. He may, I'm assuming what, what brought him into the doctor were some memory impairments or maybe some motor activities well, that were a yeah, tad off. And, and the interesting thing was as we prepared, uh, we have made an appointment to see another doctor, good. Uh, a neurologist, but Very as good. we prepared to go in, we noticed um, my husband, um, oh, I'm going to say about February, mm-hmm. seemed a little down, you know, post-holiday, that kind of thing, and I said to him, 
do you think you might be depressed? I mean, he's never been depressed. He's right. never had a depression. But he said, well, maybe I am. He said, I just don't feel real good. Yeah. And so um, we went to the doctor, and he did put him on uh, a drug called Bupropion. And um, he took it, and we realized he took it for four and a half months, and we realized that all the symptoms that he had yeah. occurred during those four and a half months. Okay. And so when he went off the program, because I called the doctor and said, can we wean him off of this? I think he's acting a little anxious and a mm-hmm. little confused and a little agitated. And so we went off of it. And um, he got, he started to get better right away. I mean, I felt, okay. I mean, he just so, got better right away. So to me, there is a connection there. Yeah. So let me just sum up what I'm hearing, Melody. And that's that you definitely want another doctor to rule out, was it just an adverse reaction to medication that he was put on for, you know, several months, four and a half months or so. And that you definitely want to rule that out because medication, I don't know that particular one, but it definitely can give you different symptoms. I mean, it can, it can mirror a problem that you're, that looks like it's much more serious. Your mind, if it turns out to be Alzheimer's, you do want to prepare your mind for that. And number one, the two of you do need to grieve. Hey, I got to interrupt this because we've got to pay some bills. 30 seconds, that's it. A very quick ad and then Alan will be back. Romance. (laughs) I wish I knew more about what girls want from a relationship. Boy, I wish I knew more about what I want. Where's that ad I saw? Here it is. The Selfish Path to Romance, a serious romance guidebook. Download Chapter 1 for free at SelfishRomance.com and buy it at Amazon.com. Huh. The Selfish Path to Romance. That is interesting. And number one, the two of you do need to grieve. I mean, you do need to allow yourselves to cry and to process the fact that if it's the horrible word terminal, it's terminal. And then as after, you know, you can't just push that under the rug and pretend that nothing's happening. You want to do some of that, but you don't want to get bogged down in that. Just enough to let your mind connect the dots. So you're not, as you said, you don't want to be in a state of denial. That's beautifully put. But the other thing that you want to do, as long as he is happy, I mean, he might not be happy, but as long as he is around... Enjoy it to the max. And one of my favorite examples uh, is my grandfather. At the age of 98, he knew he had a terminal illness. You know, he was on his deathbed, essentially, with you know everything plugged in at that age. And I went up to him, and I had read a lot on anticipatory grief and how to deal with it. And it's so important that people still experience that they have choices and so I'm you know going in like the clinical daughter uh, uh, granddaughter and I and so I looked at him and I said you know what my I was with my uncle and I said you know is there anything we can what can we do for you or what would you like to do and what choice you know giving him some choices and he looked at us and he said I would love to see a tango so my uncle and I did a tango for him. Now that has stayed with me for my, you know, from since he died many many years ago. But what that tells me is that when I'm when I know that I have a terminal illness, I want that attitude to milk everything I can out of life. 
And that's what you want to do for yourself. You will need to strategize if you're going to be the caretaker, obviously. You do need to have some backup and to prepare to nurture yourself to start to build a parallel life too. That's what it's called. It's, it's really your life. But have some outside activity, whether it's a book club or something else that you enjoy. You're not abandoning him. You're just being reasonable. And here's a little more from Dr. Kenner. I know what Bert is going through. It's the loneliest feeling in the world. It's like walking down an empty street listening to your own footsteps. But all you have to do is to knock on any door and say, if you let me in... I'll live the way you want me to live, and I'll think the way you want me to think, and all the blinds will go up, and all the doors will open, and you'll never be lonely ever again. And that is phenomenal. That is from Inherit the Wind, an unbelievably wonderful movie, very principled movie, and that was Spencer Tracy you were listening to. And do you have that struggle in your life? Almost all of us have that struggle, and we've not resolved it, meaning You want to please other people. You want to please your parents and live the way they want you to live. And you want to please your kids and you want to please your husband and your wife and live the way they want you to live. And only thing wrong is that all of their different desires for you conflict with one another and they conflict with someone else. Your desires for yourself. And I've had the very sad experience of asking clients, what do you want for yourself? What do you want out of life? You know, what hobbies, what what activities, what career? And they said, you know, I don't allow myself to even think of that question because they're so busy pleasing everyone else. Well, the doors and the windows will open up for you. If you can be your own person and be confident in that, it's not that the doors will all slam. It's that you can become a beacon for other people to also be true to themselves. For more Dr. Kenner podcast. Go to drkenner.com and please listen to this ad. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner and Dr. Edwin Locke. In deciding whether to forgive your partner for a major injustice, consider how good is your current relationship? Are you both still committed to it? For example, in the case of adultery, is the adultery a long-term pattern or a one-time event? Is your partner willing to do what's necessary to rebuild trust over time? Are the factors that caused your partner to commit adultery changeable? How deeply hurt are you emotionally? Finally, if you conclude that you cannot forgive, realize that you will not be able to have a warm and loving relationship. Such a realization is often a prelude to separation or divorce. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com. And you can buy The Selfish Path to Romance at amazon.com.